0: Are you ready? <laughs> All right, I am going to start with reading the scripture and then we'll let God do what he does, okay? All right, James three thirteen to 18, five quick verses. Who is wise in understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor a bit of envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you, God, that you're gonna to speak to us today, God, that you're gonna to speak to our hearts, that you'll give us ears to hear and an attitude that'll be willing to change for your glory. We allow you, Lord, to transform us even today, God. We thank you for the process and how you're taking us through. We submit to your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we got the easy stuff out the way. Um, so this to me is gonna be, I'm gonna read a lot. I'll just put that disclaimer out there first. I didn't memorize these pages. There's a lot of pages, about 20. <laughs> and I am, so to me it was, so when I was reading, so during the series, so. Pastor Hank is working on James, and we're walking through James together. And it has been like a real heart check, lifestyle check for me. It has been um, just self-evaluation and self-reflection for me. And so what today I bring you is just almost a page from my devotional, my journal. Um, And I'm just going to speak from the heart and let God do what he does and allow the Holy Spirit to transform. Um, I know God has been really moving and working in my heart, and I'm hoping that it would have the same effect for you. That's my prayer. Okay? All right. So I'm also gonna ask you to get your devices out or paper and pen, um, how you like to take notes because I know that God is gonna speak to you directly to your heart and I want you to document or capture what he's telling you for you. God meets us where he's at and I don't want you to forget by the time you walk out. There's a lot of nuggets in here. All right, you ready? All right. So Pastor Hank has used the illustration of repentance as someone who is aiming to go to Harrisburg and on the way sees the signs instead are heading towards Pittsburgh. The person then pulls over and corrects course so that he is now headed in the desired direction towards Harrisburg, so this is Pastor Hank. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do, do 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 right? So now we're on the right way. So thinking of this picture, I am the one driving. I am correcting course. I notice that now I need to refuel. I just wasted a bunch of gas going the wrong way. So in James 1, we can count it all joy while we suffer endure trials. We can ask in faith without doubting or reconsidering our petition, and we will receive a crown once it's all said and done. This is all good news, a refueling for the journey ahead. There are more nuggets, so I want you to make sure that you go back and reread read James 1. So now we're refueled, we got our gas. On the road, we find that we need an oil change because our little wrench light on the car on the dashboard turns on, so we have to make a pit stop. This brings us to James 2. And we are checking ourselves for partiality and favoritism. This initiates a tire rotation, since we are relying too heavily on what we are seeing and not behind, not looking behind or beyond the shabby clothes and the glittery gold rings. And the filter swap out. We're checking ourselves for judging others for sinning differently than we do. We all sin the same. Then we're checking for tire pressure. We're checking ourselves to for all talk and no action, faith without works. Or in the case of this car, tire pressure buildup or low air pressure. You are only gonna go so far with faith or with works. But together, living a balanced life with the correct pressure of faith and works, you can withstand even the deepest of potholes. I've lived in the city, New York City and Harrisburg City. Lots of potholes. So I want you to take a moment. We did James 1 and 2 really quick. Are there any lingering issues that can cause a disruption or interruption on your trip? This is your journaling time. Any. Ooh. You guys, a little holier than the first service. You're already looking back up. Okay. I guess you went through the process along with me. All right. So chapter 3 is a little bit more severe. You see the mechanic found the leak. Somewhere. Is it the power steering? Is it the AC unit? Who knows? And it's a more serious issue because we are being role models in a teaching position. Um, James 3 1 to 12 was talking about if he wanted to be a teacher, da 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 da. All right? So we will bear the fruit. The teachers will bear the fruit that we are sowing in our lives. Um, When we are up against adversity, will we spill out salt water? Are you going to spill out fresh water? Are you going to show the figs or apples or lemons or oranges? Whatever you sow is what you're going to show when the time comes. What are you showing when you are up against adversity? I have to tell you, I was up against a lot of adversity this week and I was doing really good in the beginning, but by the end of the week, there was a whole lot of salt water. Just wanna put it out there. Don't want any hypocrisy, I'll tell you the truth. All right, so some of us at this point are wondering, what is she ever gonna get to her part of the scripture? When is she ever gonna get to her verse? So here it is, we're gonna reread it. It was a quick summary, so we're gonna reread James 3, 13 to 18. So the first part, 13 to 16, I'm gonna read in NIV, and then I'll, I'll change the translation for 17 and 18. So who is wise and understanding among you? Don't forget they were talking to the people that wanted to be teachers. Let them show it by their good life, by um, by deeds done and humility that comes from wisdom. So they're telling them to check themselves. Okay, so this is where we're checking ourselves. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. So for 17 and 18, I'll read the message um, translation. It says, real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day or cold the next. It's not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust, com- robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. So I wanted to break it down verse by verse. And that's how I do my, my studies. So we're going to start at 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show by their good life, by their deeds done in humility, that comes from wisdom. What does a good life look like to you? This is your point of reflection. What does a good life look like to you? What are the first images that pop up when you think of a good life? So I found two scriptures that I really like that help with good life thinking. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 236 says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My question to you is, are you ready to shift your thinking about what makes a good life? Then it talks about the deeds done in humility. Which deeds? Which deeds? Matthew 25 has a short list. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. This actual, um, in context, is a parable and is like God is, um, Christ was talking about sheep versus goats and the difference between the sheep and the goats are that the goats saw what needed to get done and didn't do it, they chose not to. So that's the difference. Other scriptures um, reference ministering to the poor, the orphan, and the widow as also included in doing good deeds. I'm sure there's many more. Anyway, did these things line up with your good deeds? When you're thinking of good deeds, do these things I've mentioned already line up with what you consider good deeds? Ready for 14 but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth. So the first step to to a recovering addict is taking responsibility, admitting there is excessive use. Here it is doing the same thing. Don't deny the truth. Admit that you have envy and selfish ambition. It starts with taking responsibility. Envy is not only do you want something that somebody has, but the, the, yeah, the bitter envy is one thing, it's so bad that you're going to do whatever it takes to get it for yourself. When we elevate people who have great wealth, great pleasure, or great statuses, I mean status, or, post, or social media posts, it gives us a short-sighted view and only allows for physical pleasure or earthly treasures. God's plan for us is bigger than that. He has the long game in sight. He has a holistic approach to your wellness. Have you ever heard that in your company stuff? Holistic approach to your wellness, or if you went somewhere that had health as a whatever. Anyway, harboring envy and considering only yourself, which is the false trinity, me, myself, and I, sometimes mine, really destroys what God can do through you for the community, and what can God do for you using the community. So I want you to stop and think. What causes you to have envy? what would you give anything for? I'll give you a real light one. When I was pregnant, all I wanted was knishes. You can only find that in Brooklyn, now I'm playing. You can find it anywhere, but I couldn't find it here. And I really wanted knishes, and I was just like, oh my goodness, I really want a Kanish. My dad mailed it to me, he's so good to me, my daddy, he spoils me. So at that point, I was willing to give anything for that Kanish. All right, so you got it? Now we're up to 15. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. When I think of these things, I think of counterfeit, this this wisdom is counterfeit, it's fake, not real, it's an imposter, it's a fabrication. Putting our needs before others is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, and totally contradicts what Jesus Christ teaches. So I wanted to touch a bit on how to combat these thoughts that put us in competition against others. So the the Bible says, for we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't use our money, influence, social status to our own benefit. The weapons that we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Those thoughts of selfishness, self-righteousness, what does the Bible have to say about some things like the things that you are buying, your material possessions, how you're spending your money, the movies that you are watching, the music you are listening to, the attitude you have in regards to others, or responding to something that is, like pride, going your way, or something that isn't going your way, a temper tantrum. We have to take everything into the obedience of Christ. So how can we do this? So we examine the thought that was invaded our mind and we put it up to scripture. I'll give you an example. Look at her. She doesn't deserve that house. I'm gonna make sure that my house is bigger Cleaner and prettier than hers. I'm going to put flowers everywhere. The Bible says, Carmen, in 1 Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Yada, yada, yada. But you, people of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So instead of trying to keeping up with the Joneses, we ought to remember that it isn't about me and mine, but it's about yours and thine. Do you know that, thine, King James Version? All right, whatever. For for where you have, we're up to verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. The consequence of me and mine is disorder and evil practice. You will have to elbow your way in and step your way up and stomp out your competition to get to be the cream of the crop. But only here on earth will you be first. Everybody working for their own personal agenda, competing with everyone else is not only exhausting, but creates chaos and disorder. I'm gonna put a pause right here. I don't know where I shared it at in the last thing because it just came out in the last one, so I'm gonna share it now. I used to work at this other ag- at this agency and um, I worked really hard to get to the top. I was, one of the, I was one of the program directors and I was the only Latina, one of the only, I probably was the only Latina up that high. There was very little people of color and I was so proud of where I was at and then things started happening. I was like, you know what? I'm going to resign. I'm going to show them what for. And I was like, they'll never find nobody like me. My position was filled within two weeks like that. <laughs> I, think, I think before I gave in, my notice was up. They already had somebody. I was like, geez. <laughs> anyway, but that's what it goes. It, it really, your selfish ambition only gets you so far. And then you want to teach somebody a lesson. And they're like, psych, next. Striving for more, never satisfied, either looking for the next best thing or realizing that someone else has it better than you. Then on top of that, you gotta compromise your standards to continue to move onward and upward. We are hurting others to get there. Only here on earth will you get the perks of your scramble to the top. There is no eternal benefit from putting yourself first. And there is a reason why it's lonely at the top. It's because it's true, you're not safe there. You will always have someone who can do it better than you. You, can always, you will always find somebody that will pay it faster than you, ready to take your place when your guard is down. And there is no safety in isolation. You are vulnerable to, to the risks of the world. There is no community to surround you or protect you. This is directly against what, God, what Christ teaches. He teaches self-sacrifice. He teaches others first. He teaches the last shall be first. Think about it. It is a rare opportunity for us to be inconvenienced by others' needs to the point that we have to say no to me. When we give clothes to others, we usually have more, and it's okay for us to give. When we give time, it's because we know that we can find a way to make it up. When we give a plate of food, we usually have our refrigerator stocked. Stop and consider where you can yield a little just to be a little bit better at self-sacrificing. How can you be inconvenienced? I'll tell you right now, mine is time. I'll give you anything but time. I got things to do. Playing, playing. All right, 17. You guys are so quiet. Yeesh. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, oh, we're up to the good news. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. You'll notice that 16 and 17 are direct opposites. The counterfeit wisdom shown in 16 buckles under the weight of the real and true wisdom from on high. If we look at it, those who want wisdom from heaven have to have pure intentions, unmixed or unpolluted, peace-loving, no drama, considerate or reasonable, yielding, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits, yummy, yummy. No hypocrisy because that's how God is and that's how the wisdom of heaven reveals itself. This part I like. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I'll give you another picture. I am no planter. I'm no farmer. I don't sow seeds, okay? All right. So this is what I think of when I think of sowing seeds. Right? I'm thinking they'll get there. You know, you just, my hands are full of seeds and you just, that's what I'm thinking. I know I've seen people, like, dig in the dirt and put one seed at a time. Those are the real intentional people. People who hang with me, we just scatter them everywhere. All right. So imagine that kind of scattering when we sow seeds like that across Harrisburg or wherever you're going to be at. Don't want to limit you, okay? Imagine. imagine. So if you imagine you threw all this, and you see all the corn popping up and all the, all the stuff that grows on top. You don't wanna look for the carrots that are in the bottom. You wanna go up, right? So if you look at all the corn growing up, the wheat and all that, and you could just imagine, can you see all that righteousness? Can you picture it? I'm gonna tell you something else that I pictured today. When we were singing, spirit come over, whatever, whatever, da-da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> right? I can see, I can see, cause I'm super visual, I can see the spirit can you see that? The wiggle and the moving and, and like the Holy Spirit moving in and between, in and around, up and around. Can you see that? That's who we serve, that. I digress. All right. All right. So can you imagine that kind of righteousness growing because we sowed seeds of peace? All right. So survival of the fittest is not God's way. When the Romans guards came to take Christ, he wasn't ready to fight. Instead, he was ready to serve. He put that guy's ear right back on. No beef, bruh. Right? <laughs> this is where peace is. Um, this is peace when using the heavenly wisdom described in three, James 3.17. The pressure to live up to your own outrageous standards, it's your own, right? Because I put my own standards on me. This is what I want for me and mine. This is how we're gonna live, right? Those are my outrageous standards fighting to climb the ladder, looking around to see who's up there with me, not looking how you can serve because you're so fi- fixed and fixated on going up. Looking around, comparing yourself to others, contemplating and scheming from what is next. This all distracts you and pulls you away from God's presence. This gives an uneasiness to you because you, you constantly gotta control it. How are you gonna control your success? You're constantly like, that makes you more anxious. It's ridiculous what you put yourself through sometimes. When you put this down, you allow God to provide for you. He provides opportunities for you to serve, opportunities for you to do good deeds. When your focus is you, you see the need but choose to do nothing because of your need to move onward and upward. And that kind of takes priority, your own personal agenda. I wanna share something, my friend. We, we were raised together in, um, in youth services. And so one of the questions our youth pastor asked us was like, where do you see yourself in five years from now? So her thing was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna travel the world. I'm gonna take a gap year and I'm gonna travel the world. So when she was struggling with giving herself to Christ because she wanted to travel the world, she thought it was exclusive, you know, one or the other. And it was funny that when she surrendered that desire, when she surrendered the desire to travel the world and do her own thing, um, And it took a couple of years that she became a missionary and is now traveling the world for the Lord. She's still getting to experience the world, but she's doing it for God's glory. God still gave her the desire of her heart when she submitted to him. You get it? Okay. Guys, we need to submit. Anyway. Oh, where can we sow peace? I went so far beyond peace. Where can we sow peace? Are there relationships or situations where you can plant or water a seed of peace? That's your reflection time. We're getting ready to park the car, guys. Don't worry. I do want to share this. Did I share it already about the license? Yeah. So this morning, I was um, getting ready. And it came to my mind that, so I'm using the, the illustration of the car, right, that we need a license to drive a car. I understand there are many people who drive the car without a license. But I want you. I want to tell you something. I want to share something with you. Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is your license. Just go with me, okay? Go with me. There are people who don't have their license, and they may look like you. They may be driving a car and they may be going along. They have the form of godliness. It looks good, but not the power thereof, not the power of Jesus Christ backing them up. I want to let you know you have the power of Jesus Christ backing you up. Whew. All right, let's park. Let's park. How do we gain heavenly wisdom? Because we already have all the earthly wisdom, right? You don't need to show me how to sow discord and create chaos. I'm good at that. So how can I have heavenly wisdom? The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And how can you fear or respectfully or respect God without experiencing him? So when I first came to Christ when I was young, my fear, I came to Christ on the fear that I was going to go to hell. It was in response to that fear that I was like, oh, I'm going to give, so I, I got to get to heaven. Right? But after experiencing God, my point of view changed. I wasn't now acting in reaction to this fear that I was gonna go to hell, but instead it was I wanted to please God. I wanted to, I wanted to honor him, I wanted to bring him honor by my life, I wanted to show um, the world how good he is through my behavior. So there was a difference, there was a shift. So then how can you know, how can you have awe and respect? How can you have, like, I can't believe I serve an awesome God without experiencing him and knowing who he is? So how do we experience God? You could go ahead and journal that quick. Quick. Who's writing? Who has paper and pen? Yes, my people. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yay, Charlotte. All right, gratefulness. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. That is the King James version. Um, I've always loved that scripture because I love to praise, and it just put a battery in my back. If you're gonna live here, I'ma praise you. Anyway, being grateful for what we already have in life is is who and who is already in your life, and the situations and opportunities are evidence and room for you to grow and serve. You have to already, you have to be grateful for what's already here. God says he will trust you with much when you you do good with the little, right? So you have to appreciate and be grateful for what's already happening here and now, who's already in your life, right? And this is being the total opposite if you're full of envy. If you're full of envy, you're looking outward to see what everybody else has and how does yours compare to that, right? So I'm giving you direct opposite. Right? You're no longer longing for what you do not have, but you focus your attention on what is already working together for your good here and now. The second one I have is generosity. Now, this list is not exhaustive. You can go and make your own list. This is how I experience God, and I thought it will help other people experience God too. Because God is generous, we too can practice generosity. The Bible says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. If you decided you're going to give it, give it. Done deal. You don't have to give more. Don't fight with, oh, I'm going to, oh, I want to. No, give what's already in your heart. Don't be under pressure. Don't give, oh, I'm going to give this because, you know. No. Do it what you have decided. I'm going to sing for the Lord, and I'm going to do it lovingly. Not because, you know, I'm going to work at VBS. Not because I'm under pressure, but I really think I can do this well, okay? This will actually cause your selfish ambition to rebel because you're no longer looking for me and mine unless your selfish ambition is to get accolades, This generous activity will cause you to look outside of yourself for inspiration and drive. Community. We experience through God through each other. In Matthew it states that there are two or three, where there are two or three gathered, there he is in the midst. And I understand that he's talking about an argument, disagreement, go back to your brother, yada, yada, I get that. But he still says, where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. The problem is that when things are going good, we already know he's in our midst. It's when the things are going bad that we forget, so he had to remind us. Even right there, I'm in your midst. Okay? So... Or in Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering of together. Oh, when Paul reminds us that we are to work together just like the body. Each part needs one another. This is all evidence of that we need one another to experience God. No man is an island. Have you ever heard that? No man is an island. We need each other. Changing and transforming our mind. This is the evidence that we're experiencing God. And the most successful way to transform your mind is to spend time with God. The Bible says in Titus, God save us not because of works done by us in righteousness, it's not us, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's work to change us. We have to spend time with God. Uh, Second Corinthians three helps us and it says, um, it reminds us, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord that's experiencing we are being transformed into the same image. We are reflecting him one degree from glory to glory. You're not going to go from, it's not instantaneous. Many people, there are many people who get instantaneous, miraculous things happening for them. I get that. But most of us, Carmen included, need to process. I'm not going to go from you know, here to there quick, right? So I have to have the process. So it goes from layer to layer. He's washing away, wiping away, ripping off, tearing out, shaping and molding piece by piece. Sometimes it's painful, people. Okay. Anyway, for this comes the spirit. From this, for this comes the Lord, who is the Spirit. Our transformation is the work of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. We have to take time for prayer, worship, reading the Word. We can't accept Christ and continue our lives with status quo. You're not going to get a gym membership and walk in there and lose the weight. It does not work like that. You could walk in there, run the treadmill for a couple of weeks, it'll work that way. You walk in, you're doing a couple of things, you know, Christian-y, and you, you, you see some evidence, right? But at some point, you're gonna to have to change your eating habits, your water intake, your physical, other physical activity. You're gonna to have to do other things to stop the stagnation. You get what I'm saying? You don't wanna hit a plateau in your Christian walk. You wanna keep moving. Listen, even still water sometimes stinks. You don't wanna be still, you wanna keep moving. Anyway, Um, right, right, how can we accept Christ and expect our lives to be the same, yet we want to see change and haven't done our part to spend time with him? In his presence, that is where the change happens. That is where his transformative power works and has its way. All right, so I'm going to give you a real-life example. My anger used to be zero to 60, and when I say used to be, I mean Friday. All right, all right. (laughs) <laughs> I don't really think I had attitude because um, like, people would, would compliment my mom, oh, she's so polite, she's so sweet, she's so nice, until you tick me off. And then you just got a whole different Carmen. It was just a whole different person, right? Um, so I don't know if I had attitude. Maybe I did. I don't know. I'm not going to admit to that part. But I will tell you, I got mad really fast. Um, and at first, it took for me some awareness that I got mad fast, and I didn't want to be this way. And I saw it in arguments and fighting, like with my sisters, if I was going to... Give an example at that time. It would have been my sisters. I didn't want to hurt my sisters' feelings. I didn't want to, like, us going tit for tap in and out, bat for bat. I didn't want to do that with my sisters. Um, so I noticed that I didn't want to react that way no more, and I began in studying reading God's word on being slow to anger or slow to respond or slow to speak because I'm, real, I'm really good on my feet. I could give it to you. If I would have met Pastor Hank in the Dozens, psh. Were you here, guys, last week when he was talking about the Dozens? I'd have got him. No, I'm playing. Don't tell him. He's on vacation for a reason. He's taking a break from us anyway but I really didn't want to I really didn't want to hurt my sisters anymore so well, all right so while reading the word I noticed that the word says a kind word turns away wrath so what I was trying to do in um, in arguing with my sisters was I was trying to stop whatever was happening no you're not taking advantage of me no you're not using my clothes no you're not gonna answer the phone no you're not gonna eat my last cookie whatever it was I was arguing about when in fact If I would have said a kind word, like, I really want to wear that shirt tomorrow. Or, that's my last cookie, can you just save it for me? Like, I would have been able to stop the fight. So I was being counterproductive when I was spilling out in my anger, what I was really trying to do I wasn't getting because I was responding with anger. All right, so then that also made me realize my part in some of the situations, and I'm going to say some, not all. I began to pay more attention to what, what ruffled my feathers and asked God to change me. I started to notice what about me was ruffling other people's feathers, and I asked God to change me. The reading of the word was the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show and highlight the things that needed to be changed and how I should be. In the church where I grew up, it seems the theme was the God's fire burned away the filth and what remained was pure. If you think about gold, and they find gold, and the hotter the gold is, the more pure it becomes, the more valuable it is. So they ha- so the concept was, while you were in God's fire, you were getting molded and shaped and purified, right? Okay, so when you think about the gold needed high heat, diamonds need high heat, blowing glass, if you're into that, needs high heat, shaping iron needs high heat. Um, we have to allow for the Holy Spirit to use these situations that are already in our lives that create this high heat. Rubbing those people's shoulders that you can't stand when you get to work Your sister's rolling their eyes at you because they woke up moody, right? God has to, my response to that would have provoked the situation. But when God was working in me and changing that, I was able to ignore, like I just let it go, let it roll off my shoulder. It just became a totally different situation for me, right? So we have to allow the Holy Spirit to use the situations in our lives that create this high heat to mold and shape us into the vessels he can use for his glory. This will allow God to to create in us a clean heart, a transformation, and show his transformative power work that is in us. Okay, I want to invite you to take a moment. Oh, we're there there. All right, guys. We should be parking, parking, like I'm taking the keys out parking, okay? I want to invite you to take a moment to pray about situations that you have experienced, envy or selfish ambition. Feel free to repent. Ask God to forgive us, and then ask him for help with it. Take a few minutes. Or any part of this. All right, guys, so this is your pit stop. This is where you get the opportunity. Oh, I guess I should invite the worship team up. Any pastors in the room, we're gonna pray for people. Um, this, is the, this is your pit stop. This is the opportunity where you could get anything that you need prayer for, to get you going for the next journey, next leg of your journey, okay? Um, if you wanna pray for something, pray through something. If you would like to exchange earthly wisdom for heavenly wisdom, God says he gives it freely. Um, if you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or need information about that, I'd be happy. We'll be up here. In my old church, we call this the altar. So if anybody wanted to come to the front or to the altar, we'll be here waiting. All right? Two to examples of a good life they mention psalms mentioned in the presence of god is and dwelling in the house of the lord is that's what i want you to get from all of this being in god's presence is the only way to exchange the discord for peace the evil practice for purity becoming peace loving considerate submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere father i just thank you god for the work that you're doing in us and through us as you are molding and shaping us, God. I ask you, Father, that you would just um, help us to see the evidence of the good work you're doing in us. Help us to see, God, how you have changed us. Help us to be able to look back and see that we are not responding the same way, God. That we would be um, more willing, less resistant to you, Father. In Jesus' name, my God, I ask, amen.